It is the August recess, kind of, in Washington, D.C., but if you are the Washington Mystics, it is playoff time, and there is no recess in the nation's capital. We are going to break it all down, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everyone. It is August 12, 2022. I am Missy Heidrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent for the next so happy to have you here. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Heidrick, but you can also follow the next at The Next Hoops and this podcast at Locked On Women's Basketball for all of your information up to date, really all the time, 24-7. That's what we're here for. There are just two days left in the WNBA regular season for the Mystics. We've got it. We have to talk about the star power on this roster, both new faces and those veterans as well. And the playoffs start on August 17th. So there is a little bit of everything. It's time to get after it here on a Friday. And I am so happy to be joined by Jen Hatfield is one of the outstanding journalists that covers women's basketball at the next and beyond. She's also one of our gracious editors who deals with people like me, not necessarily on a daily basis, but sometimes. And she is also herself on the Washington Mystics beat and lives at Breezes every day. So Jen, let's start with this. There are two games left for the Mystics on their schedule. They've had a few days off here, rest, recovery, et cetera. A game tonight, Friday the 12th, and then they'll play on Sunday. When you look at this team and you look at the where they sit today, uh, what what stands out in terms of what may really need to happen? What are you looking for? What are people want to see from this team in these last two regular season games? And and what are going to be some of the, the things that maybe stand out the most when they get back on the floor? Yeah, I think the Mystics are hoping to use this weekend to reclaim some of their mojo. They had played really well as the calendar turned from July into August, beating Seattle once, sweeping the season series with Las Vegas. Um, And then they went out last weekend and lost two games to Chicago and L.A. and just didn't look like themselves in either game and were really disappointed with their performance. So this weekend, they want to get that momentum that they had, that they were carrying into last weekend. They want to get that ready for the playoffs. And if they can win both games and see Seattle lose both of theirs and get the four seed instead of the five, that'll be a bonus. But really, they just want to um, kind of get back to their roots and be playing at their best entering the playoffs. It's really interesting you mentioned winning those games against Las Vegas because, I mean, that was a 10-point win over Vegas on August 2nd. And then to turn around and to lose the lat to lose those two games last weekend, it almost seemed like we were dealing with two different teams. What was maybe what, what was the difference between such a great performance against the Aces and then kind of you know lackluster performances, so to speak, before they had this break time? Yeah, they didn't have great starts in in either game over the weekend, and so they got themselves kind of in a hole. Their defense wasn't wasn't ready to go at the tip really. And so that was really disappointing to them. Um, They talked about it, you know, after the game and then, and then this week. So they just need to, to get off to better starts. And then, you know, 
Elena Deladon didn't play on Friday and had her worst game in a Mystics uniform on Sunday as far as her shooting percentage. And so the Mystics do expect her. She will play in both games this weekend is the plan, and she's expected to play in the playoffs um, pretty much every game. So uh, the Mystics should have her, and, and it, it would be surprising if she had such a poor shooting night again. So kind of in that respect, it's a little bit of an anomaly, but the defense needs to travel and needs to, needs to show up for 40 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed as though, as you said, slow starts, which sometimes can be that snowball effect. We see it all the time. You know, a team doesn't get off to a good start offensively. They miss shots, a couple easy ones here. You don't get a call, and that can affect other parts of the game. It seems as though this has been a group that has prided itself on being pretty solid defensively all season, but they maybe that snowball effect kind of their their defense let them down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that they're going to really emphasize that tonight and on Sunday. Look for them to you know look at how they start the game tonight, and if they if they get down again early, that I think would be concerning. Or even not even get down early, but just don't look in command. You know, if it takes them a while to get rolling um, against an Indiana team that's going to come out pretty desperate for a win. They're 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 out of the playoff hunt, but they're they haven't won in. You know, I think I think their last win was in June. They're on like a 16 game losing streak, so they're coming out desperate for a win. Um, they know their season ends on Sunday, so uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk against the last place team. No, absolutely not. And I think that's probably the challenge is, is that you do have a team that's really kind of, they're not playing for anything in terms of the playoffs, but a little bit of self-respect. And as we have seen over the course of the season, this is a young Indiana team still trying to figure out what these rookies, a lot of new faces on that roster, what they can do. And they need to kind of catapult themselves and, and position themselves for next year. You know, you want to be that person. If I'm on that Indiana roster, say, you know, when I finish that season strong, I want this front office and the management here of this franchise to look at me as something valuable that has to play into that in sense of maybe talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things, maybe the, the quotes or the conversations that have come from players and the coaching staff at Washington, as they head into this last weekend, maybe what's, what's the vibe, what's the mindset like? Yeah, Coach Tebow pointed out this week after one of the team's practices that the mistakes were actually down to Indiana uh, the second time they played them this season out of four back in May. Uh, they were down at the half and had to had to come back. So just going back to this isn't going to be a cakewalk. They they respect Indiana. They know they're going to have to be prepared. Um, and, you know, it's also interesting because they won't have Maisha Heinz-Allen, who kind of helped the Mystics get back into both games last weekend, even though they lost, but she kind of led the charge as a, as a point forward. Um, so that's going to be another, another challenge. But I think for the Mystics going into this weekend, um, Coach Tebow talked about this during the week. It's actually in some respects helpful that they are playing Indiana before a matchup with Seattle in the playoffs. Uh, Seattle and Washington will be the four and five seeds in some order to be determined. Um, but Indiana and Seattle actually play fairly similarly on the on the defensive end, led by Gary Kloppenberg, who used to be with Seattle and is now with Indiana. So they're kind of prepping for the playoffs in these games this weekend without looking past Indiana. They're able to, you know, they don't have to radically overhaul their game plan or, or strategy as far as going against 
the defense of their opponent. So that similarity kind of helps them as they as they head into the playoffs. I thought it was interesting that Coach Tebow, who isn't necessarily always known for making very, you know, can be pretty vague in a lot of his comments and pressers and all of those, was pretty straightforward in making a point that Elena Deladon would play in these two games. Do you think that is as much about positioning them and this team moving forward, or is it to give a message to his current squad to say, hey, we've got two games, we've got to gel, we got to kind of get ourselves back on track as you said at the very top, find that mojo. Yeah, he's been fairly straightforward with us as much as he's able to know as far as when Elena will and won't play throughout the season. Um, I think, you know, going into this weekend, I think the thinking is she's had a lot of rest from last weekend. She's ready to go. Let's send her to Indiana, uh, which is, you know, she does have to get on a plane, but it's kind of a baby step compared to taking a flight to Seattle Um she hasn't she hasn't traveled much in a while, so let's get her back on a flight and get her in that routine again, um, and then she can come back home and play on Sunday. Though though, if Seattle wins tonight, they might sit her on Sunday because then the seeds would be locked in. So I'm kind of watching what happens tonight to see if she does end up playing on Sunday. But that would be just a you know resting players heading into the playoffs. I th- I think the idea with Elena playing both games this weekend is. Um, keep the team in a flow of, you know, early in the season, especially it was, it was difficult for the team because Elena was in and out of the lineup more frequently. And so every game it was shifting back and forth between how they play when she's in versus how they play when she's out. And in the second half of the season, you know, starting in July, Elena was in the lineup pretty much every game. She was playing really well. The team got really used to having her in there. They started to develop chemistry. They were on a roll a little bit, like all the way through the the Vegas game when she, you know, she didn't really score much. She said her legs were dead playing three games in four days, but she was like a plus 24, I think it was. She had five points and was a plus 24 um, because she was like the ultimate decoy for them. So I think, you know, having her play this weekend, the goal is to make sure that they still have that flow where Elena is in the lineup and everyone knows exactly how it goes um, so that they can go into the playoffs uh, with that chemistry and, again, momentum. Okay, so in just a moment, we're going to talk about the other players on this roster that have been night in and night out part of making this a playoff team in 2022. But first, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, uh, FedEx, St. Jude Classic going on right now. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. So you want to head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. And I can tell you that BetOnline has had the recent odds of who is going to win the WNBA title. Chicago plus 200, Vegas plus 200, Connecticut plus 350, Seattle plus 700, and the team we are talking about here today, the Washington Mystics plus 800. So if those odds help you at all in making some decisions the next couple weeks, be sure to check at Bet Online where the game starts. 
I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. All right, Jen Hatfield, we've talked about Elena Deladon a little bit. She's been in and out of this lineup. As the, the numbers are as close as I've been able to get them, 23 games she's played throughout the course of the season. But there have been others, and one of them is a rookie. And you just complete, uh, wrote a fantastic article this week at The Next. So for those of that haven't gone to find it, please go find Jen's work because she wrote a great article about really the evolution of Shakira Austin and what this rookie season has been like for her. So talk a little bit more about the 6'5 center and just kind of where her game started and where she is today as they head into the last weekend and the playoffs. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me personally about Shakira Austin is her confidence. It leaps off the page. Uh, maybe I notice it more because that was the thing I never had in my athletic career was a, a healthy dose of confidence. But she's just she's just brimming with confidence. No one can bring her down. That that kind of goes back to her childhood where her, her dad told her from a really young age, like, you're different, you're special, you're going to be somebody if you put the work in. Um and so I, I kind of, you know, started talking to Shakira and folks around her, trying to understand where that confidence comes from and how it's helped her on the court this season. Um, so she came in as the number three overall pick, but uh, Tebow has told reporters ever since he drafted her that he thinks she was number one pick material. Uh, the Mystics didn't really think about, they had the number one pick, they traded it for the number three pick and a couple of their assets um, they didn't think of that as trading down because they liked all three of the top prospects pretty much equally and would just, you know, whichever one was left, they were perfectly pleased with. Um, they got Shakira Austin. They were thrilled. She slid in pretty much perfectly to their system, almost too perfectly, actually, because uh, Tivo originally thought that, you know, on draft night, someone asked, you know, what do you think that Shakira Austin and Kristen Williams's role will be this season? And he somewhat facetiously, but not entirely said, I hope they're really good at clapping on the bench for their teammates because the Mystics were so deep that yeah, he wasn't exactly. sure, you know, how many minutes they would play. Like he knew yeah. Shakira Austin was going to get some minutes, but he didn't expect her to play as many as she is right now. And he expected that Elena Deladon and Maisha Hines Allen would be the starting front court. Well, Shakira Austin played so well, starting in her second game in which she outplayed Sylvia Fowles, you may have heard of her, yep. um, that she very quickly became a starter in her sixth game, and she has started every game since. Um, her biggest contributions come on the defensive end. She's got defensive instincts beyond her years. That's something that uh, Tebow and his staff you know, loved about her during the, uh, during the draft process. Uh, in a quote that didn't make it into my story, Tebow quipped that he and his staff have sometimes said, like wished that players had texting on the court because he thinks they would communicate better. Um, but Shakira Austin doesn't need texting. She is perfectly willing to open up her mouth and communicate, which is really rare for a rookie. So she brings, you know, defensive instincts, communication. She brings shot blocking. She brings size. The Mystics have often been undersized over the past several years. Now they're not. They can put Shakira Austin on players like Sylvia Fowles and Tierra McCowan, though Tierra McCowan is a much, uh, you know, stronger, more physically imposing player, as is Sylph. But she's she's held her on against all of those matchups, really, and just given them, you know, an anchor. 
um, inside. Everyone talks about the defensive prowess of the Mystics guards and with good reason, uh, but Shakira Austin has been kind of an underrated aspect of, of their team defense and has really contributed in that way. And then offensively, she um, they don't run plays for her, but she still gets double doubles uh, just from you know making smart cuts. She's learned really quickly how to play off Elena and where she should be to create space and where she should be when Maisha Hines Allen is in and how to bail out a guard when they when they need somebody to cut. So she just has those instincts again um, and kind of does the dirty work, sets screens, offensive rebounds. I think she was equipped coming out of coming out of college, uh, I think in a system at Ole Miss that did give her some of that freedom to be able to understand, to elevate her basketball IQ. That's hugely transferable when women come from the college game into the W because it is played. It's played at a different pace. You play differently. Sometimes it's just about how things, what they're called, you know, it's about, uh, you know, the communication standpoint comes into that, but what, how you played a screen and what that was named in college it's different than what they name it in the W, but that can be an understanding and kind of the evolution of her game. I'll be honest. One of the few times I saw Shakira Austin last year uh, was when I watched her in the, in the NCAA tournament and she just didn't play well. You know, when they were taken out by a team at uh, by South Dakota, a mid-major team from the summit, she just didn't have a great game. There wasn't a lot there. But yet it seemed as though that all those intangibles and those things that Tebow saw, that the Mystics organization saw, that that's really kind of come to light. I thought one of the most interesting things she said that was in your article is that she, as you said, she oozes confidence. She's got high level of talent, but she, in her own right, believes she should be the rookie of the year. My question to you, does Shakira Austin win that award here in a few days when the regular season is over? I don't think she's going to win it, but I don't think she's wrong for thinking that she is a worthy candidate. I think Ryan Howard from Atlanta is going to win it, but I don't think it's ridiculous that Shakira Austin thinks she's the rookie of the year. Um, and the fact that that we can say that, like Ryan Howard looked like she was going to run away with the award. Right. Um, and she still might when you when you add up the votes. But I think I think people are thinking more seriously about Shakira Austin as a candidate than they were at the beginning of the season, for sure. Um, and maybe she will leap over number two overall pick, Melissa Smith, in the final in the final tally. So we'll see kind of where that all where that all ends up. But um, it, it seems like she'll have awards in her future too. Uh, both Tebow's, uh, Mike and Eric, uh, have pegged her for an all defensive caliber player in her future. Absolutely, and I would say I think the biggest part of it is also how big of an impact. And I know this doesn't necessarily come into play because people look at the individual numbers and their statistics and, you know, the plus minus and all of that. But the impact that she has had on this Mystics team being able to put themselves in the playoffs without a 100 percent front court that they were going to be relying on. It looked very different once the season started. And she's been a huge part of that. I feel like sometimes players don't necessarily always get the credit they, that they deserve in that piece of it. On the flip side, this backcourt for Washington, players like Ariel Atkins, who's, you know, I mean, she's just durable as durable. And the time she puts in, you've got Natasha Cloud. These types of guards out front, everyone will say it a lot. I think championships and playoff runs start with guards. These two have to be a couple of the biggest players within the league as we think about this playoff picture. 
Absolutely. Natasha Cloud is like the ultimate tempo setter. And I don't mean in terms of how fast or slow the Mystics play. That is actually a pet peeve of, of Tebow. He <laughs> thinks everyone puts way too much stock in the pace metric. But I mean that, that Cloud is their metronome. If she's fired up, they're fired up. If she's flat, they're flat. And that doesn't mean that I'm blaming her for when the Mystics are flat, but she is the one who kind of uh, lifts a room just by walking into it. She's the one who sets the tone defensively. She's the one who, uh, you know, gets in your face on the defensive end. She takes a lot of pride on that end. Um, and she, you know, she's an un- she's got an underdog mentality being drafted out of a mid-major, uh, being a second-round pick. And she kind of brings that edge to the Mystics, too. She, she never thinks she's being respected quite enough. Um, she wasn't an all-star. She took that very personally. So she just has that attitude and that fight and that leadership that the Mystics really need. And it's kind of a yin and yang with Deladon, who's very calm and cerebral. And, and Cloud has said at times Deladon is kind of the like magic person who can like keep her calm and not, you know, not like blowing yeah. her top a little bit. So they, they are a good um, balance in the backcourt yeah. and the frontcourt. Yeah. And then That's- Atkins is just... I, I would challenge anybody go go like rewatch a Mystics game, but don't watch the ball. Watch Ariel Atkins. She makes so many little plays that you'll never notice that are just winning plays. I mean, it's obvious when she, you know, drains a three or, or gets a steal uh, and takes it all the way in for a layup. But she makes all these other little plays, deflections, gets on the floor, gets around screens, sets her own screens, like. It, it's amazing. If you just watch a couple minutes, you'll see several plays where she's just making impact on winning and she's not loud about it. Um, I think I've heard her uh, when I am at the Mystics Arena. I think I've like actually heard her voice on the court like twice. Um, yeah. She uses her voice, but she's not loud. She's not Natasha Cloud, um, but she's kind of the perfect complement to everything that the Mystics want to do. A little bit of a, a glue player. I hesitate to call her that because that makes it sound like she's contributing less than she is as, as, you know, a really big score on this team, but she just um, pulls everything together on both ends. And she might be one of the most durable guards in the entire WNBA. She's played in every single game. She'll play probably in both games figuring this weekend. And Ariel Atkins is a huge part of what they've done. Okay. Next up, we've mentioned a few times, but the playoffs start in five days, and the Mystics are poised to make some noise. We're going to talk about that in a little bit and a late addition to the roster as well in just a moment. Hi, everyone. I'm Missy Heydrich. Thank you for listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. We are so happy to have you here. All right, Jen, as we've been talking about the players on this Mystics roster, a lot of impact players, I thought it was interesting. A late addition to this roster this week. Jasmine Jones, what does that look like if you're the Mystics? What kind of role do you think she's going to have here down the stretch and into the playoff picture? Yeah, so the Mystics explain this as uh, basically using up all of their money uh, as soon as they could. Uh, They wanted to have, this is not a replacement player. This is them going from 11 to 12 as soon as they could afford it. Um, So Jasmine Jones just gives them a little extra depth at guard. Um, which I think will mostly be seen in the form of having another practice player. I don't think she's going to play much or at all this weekend. Um, I mean, that could depend on the scoreline, but even Evina Westbrook, who's been on the team for part of the season, you know, has been, it's taken a while for her to get in, in, in blowouts. And I think kind of a similar situation for Jasmine Jones, but just 
uh, Coach Thibault described it as insurance. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you can never have too much depth, right? So um, worth it to spend all, you know, it's uh, about $3,000 left in their salary cap, worth it when you can add a, a 12th player. And yeah, it doesn't matter when it's Maisha Hines-Allen's college teammate either. Yeah, I was to say, and it's experience, you know, it's someone that's been around the block a little bit. Sometimes that's a good thing. And that can be great in practice. It can give you a whole nother perspective. And you've got some players and young players, you know, that sometimes they might need that voice in their ear, that little yin and yang, and you never know where that comes from. Okay, so the playoffs start officially August 17th. To give everybody the lay of the land, eight teams are in the playoffs. The first round is best of five. Everything after that is, excuse me, best of three. And then everything after that is best of five. The quarters or the semifinals and the WNBA finals. As we sit here today, and as you mentioned at the very top, this is a mystic squad that's looking at the fourth or the fifth seed. More than likely, unless something astronomical happens, which I really can't see that happening in three days between now and the end of the season, is a matchup with Seattle. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. I think you had a very interesting point earlier that means that Elena Deladon is going to have to get on an airplane if this team finishes fifth. If they finish fourth, then they get to play at home. But if they finish fifth, which more than likely it is, they're getting on an airplane, they're going all the way across the country to Seattle, and they're going to see a team that is starting, you know, kind of hitting their groove, it seems like. And, of course, you've got a lot of pomp and circumstance and emotion going around the retirement of Sue Bird. Yeah, and I think they'll handle that, assuming that they do fly to Seattle to start the series. I think as soon as they know that, they're going to put Elena on a plane, like Monday, um, even if they don't play until Thursday. That's how they handled it when the Mystics went out west earlier in the year, and Elena did play um, in two of their three games on on that West Coast road swing. So they've they've kind of got a, a system for that they know what they're doing they they send her and you know someone else on staff who, who helps her out and she gets you know she she gets over her jet lag and and whatever planes do to a six five players back um, right. none right. of which is good um, so she's got a system for that and I'm not overly concerned I mean it would be great if we never had to put Elena Deladon on a flight again, um, and particularly not a commercial one. But um, I don't think it's a huge deal in terms of I don't expect her performance to be too affected. She'll just have to do a fair amount of, of prep on that back as she does. Um, the Sue Bird uh, variable where the Mystics would have to uh, get Sue Bird and Sue Bird's career in order to advance, I think, is actually more worrisome particularly if two of the three games are in Seattle and and they have you know the the cliche is the sixth player the crowd is the sixth player and I think it could be six or seven uh with a crowd trying to stave off Sue Bird's retirement so that is that is a factor that I would not be looking forward to if I were the Mystics uh going to Seattle for this it it feels like you know I'm sure most people would say this that Brianna Stewart is a matchup problem for everyone when you look at this mystic squad, how they played them throughout the course of the year. But if you look at the lineup, how do the mystics match up with Brianna Stewart? Who is that matchup? What are some of the things that they do to try to neutralize her? I think you got to keep the ball out of her hands as much as possible and force other people to have to beat you. 
Yeah, so I think the Mystics are actually pretty well equipped to match up with Brianna Stewart. Uh, sticking Elena Deladon on her is not a bad, uh, you know, it's a very like for like um, right. thing. They're both rangy and versatile and about the same size and can do all sorts of things that most of us could never dream of doing. So I think that's a decent matchup. Shakira Austin will probably take Tina Charles. Um, and I think I think the thing is just something that the Mystics have been emphasizing with their defense all season, which is um, when their defense is playing well, when, when Shakira Austin is handling an opposing center in the paint by herself, that means the Mystics right. don't have to overhelp. And then you don't have to slide and get caught in mismatches and whatnot. And so if Elena Deladon, who, who does not get enough credit for how her defense has improved over the years, um, if she can handle Stewie reasonably well by herself without getting help, then everything's easier because people can stay home. Um, but I think they'll also switch up, you know, looks on Stewie. You never want to let a player like that settle in against a single defender. Um, so I, I think they're, I think they're in a pretty good place to handle that as far as anybody, you know, as, as well as anybody can be against Stewie. I think these teams are, are overall, you know, across the board, they're, they're very similar and, and it makes for a very fun matchup as we saw in two games at ESA uh, at the end of July, they were just both of them barn burners and, all of us were like, this needs to be a series. So we, right. we got what we wanted. Yeah, I was going to say, everybody's going to get their wish now, is that you do get that matchup. And I think if you flip the switch the other way, you say, well, Elena Deladon is a matchup problem for, you know, for Seattle. And Shakira Austin is going to be a handful for Tina Charles inside, just from the fact that you've got to keep her off the glass. And she can take you out of your game, don't allow her to do the same thing going the other way. It, it seems to me that we could be looking at fast pace. We could be looking at high scoring, but it is also going to be about how do how do the Mystics start their that first game when they if they more than likely end up in Seattle. What that start looks like, it can't be sluggish, and they got to be firing on all cylinders coming out of the gate. Yep, and I I think I think they will be. It's hard to imagine you know them being too sluggish. Um, number one in a playoff game and number two, you know, when you play in a, in a hostile road environment, it's actually a lot easier to get up for a game than if you're playing in an empty road gym, right? Like the crowd, the crowd buoys the home team, but it also kind of fires up the road team. Like coach T has said this um, before, but like when you're playing in a gym like that, you just want to shut the crowd up. Like it it kind of motivates you too. Um, so I think we're in for a treat personally and, and just hopefully for, for a DC beat reporter like me who won't be going to Seattle, hopefully, uh, it's a, you know, assuming Seattle's the four seed, which looks likely, hopefully, uh, it's a three game series and comes back to DC for the finale. I was going to say the hope is that you get one back, which would be a really good thing. And then maybe that is the opportunity for the mystics. They end Sue Bird's career, but it's on the road. If they do it at home, they move on. And there's a lot more basketball to be played there in the nation's capital. All right, Jen. Now, as if you didn't hear us before, please, I want everybody go to the next, read her amazing article that came out this week about Shakira Austin. She's going to have all of the coverage about the Mystics, their last two games, as well as the playoffs. Jen, where does everybody find you all the other times? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jen Hatfield one. That's Jen with two N's and Hatfield's just like it sounds. So find me there. That's where I spend entirely too much time that and the next Slack. Awesome.
Well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. And as I said, you're going to want to know exactly what's going on. We've got you covered at the next and right here at Locked On Women's Basketball. You can find me on Twitter, all of my amazing colleagues at the next and right here on this podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Please join us all next week for more episodes. There's going to be the latest news, notes, insights, game breakdowns of the regular season ending and the playoffs starting August 17th. That's the day to circle on your calendar. That's when it's going to get interesting. And you can do it all right here with us on Locked On Women's Basketball. For your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Before we know it, the NBA season will be starting. It is crazy to think it is the middle of August. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Stay with us at Locked On Women's Basketball for everything we've got you covered. We look forward to seeing you again soon.